morning, good afternoon, good evening. My name is Florence Ion, and I am your host for the Material Podcast, which you are listening to right now, episode number 206. And I'm joined here by the irreplaceable Andy Anarco. Yes, I hope this isn't a logical conundrum for those of you who are listening. I am also your host, but I am not Florence Ion. It's possible Mm-mm. for I to be your host and Flo to also be your host. Yes, I, well, in, it's a very um, it's a very fair hosting duty here, and because of that, we don't refer to each other as co-hosts, but full hosts, because exactly. we both put our full hearts. <laughs> into this podcast. Also, I, I know that we have a very wide uh, demographic of like ages among viewers. We and do. for those of us who were old enough to barely remember uh, the Merv Griffin show, he used to have a, a weekly co-host. And so we don't want to invoke uh, you know, imagery of like, oh no, there's Paul Williams and he's going to be there every single week. And he's probably not going to be completely on uh, every day of that week. Or, or Toadie Fields, shall I say. I mean, the Toadie Fields... Again, I have dim memories. I was probably five, six, but a little toady field goes a long way. You can check YouTube and verify that for yourself. So I don't want to tell you how to think, but again, I think you'll agree with me. You could check YouTube and then you can quickly navigate away because there's probably some <laughs> scary things on there. More on that later. More on that later. <laughs> that's, a, that's a tease for our big F1, I think. <laughs> Why not? Um, Andy, before we we get into the thick of it, I, me and the internet want to know what happened to that cat last week? Like, yeah, did you we- end up getting a pet or... It shows you how much empathy there is amongst our audience. That pleases me greatly that I did. A, we got a tweet, at least one tweet today that said, please picture you tell us what happened to the, the orphan kitty. Uh, it turned out that one of my neighbors had acquired a cat that I had not known about in the last oh. like, two or three weeks. And so, but then, and, and kitty was, had been, had been there long enough to know that, oh, this is the door beyond which there are, there are food and there is water and there is scratchies when I'm in the mood for scratchies. So uh, I didn't know <laughs> I did not adopt a cat. You will also uh, be pleased to know that I did not. I also did not kidnap a cat, although this was a very, very adorable kitty. Uh, and if I'm going to kid, if I'm going to choose one to kidnap, not what I would. That I think you've, the same thought would go into your mind that when you when you see that there is not a collar around this kitty's neck, you start to you your first thought is not oh well a lot of indoor kitties don't have collars. You think that there is a non-zero chance this is a stray cat and this could be my cat. So all all, yes. all I will say all I will say is that this has once again reminded me that I seem to be thinking about getting a cat. Uh, Often in the past two or three years, uh, this is not the first time I've thought about inadvertently uh, getting somebody else's cat. So perhaps I should uh, hit up a friend of mine who's a veterinarian and start on that like six to what I I, I would plan out as a six to eight month road of uh, making sure I know exactly what would be respond what what would be required of cat ownership, how much I need to budget for uh, regular expenses and unexpected expenses, and then of course going to a shelter and finding a looking for a kitty that needs a home and doesn't go straight for my eyes. Andy, just to tell you from my own cat experience, I've had both both a cat and a dog, but I grew up with the really big dog when I lived with my parents, so I didn't like financially contribute to it, right? Um, <laughs> cats get sick. Yep. <laughs> they, they get really sick. They get really sick like humans, and they cost a lot of money like <laughs> humans. Um, I only say this because I did not believe how much 
this stuff cost until it happened to our poor little kitty who um, is our senior special needs kitty. It's what I refer mm. to her as now. My senior special needs princess because she really doesn't do much except lay around all day now and is on a lot of steroids and other sorts of drugs to keep her body functioning regularly. But it's totally like the payoff is 100%. Like having a living being in the house and not just plants, like it just really takes away the lonely, especially us being the work from home types, like just having a little <laughs> fur ball sitting next to you while you're like struggling with your life's work. I don't know. It kind of <laughs> helps. It helps. And then sometimes she'll drag me outside because she wants to go outside. And so I'll spend the morning instead of like worrying about my work life, I'm outside with her and my coffee and like we're hanging out in the backyard in the sun. And it's just like a nice reminder that the world doesn't just revolve around you. Um, but that's the thing about <laughs> it's just I I really love being I love that I became a cat person because they really are like now I'm asking myself if I want to get a kitten because because my cat is is aging and I like can't really think about life without her. Sorry to make everybody kind of sad right now. <laughs> this is just this is what people talk about. Uh, <laughs> this is what humans talk about because you know we get yeah. very attached to these and, beings. And it's also uh, again within the context of being self-employed, like work at home people. The number of times over the course of a month since I was let's say 23, 24 and realized that no this was not something that was going to be leading to a job in engineering or at a company that this was going to be my life's work. Uh, about once a month it happens that like I'm at a coffee shop or I'm at uh, a library or I'm running an errand and I think about every all the work that's waiting for me back in the home office, and I realized that well, um, when I left uh, to get a couple of hours of work done at the at the coffee shop, um, I did take my laptop and a charger for the laptop, and in my wallet there are. Uh, credit cards and on my phone is software that will let me access all my bank accounts. What's to stop me from just going, taking a hail, using the phone to hail a lift to the airport, flying somewhere, and starting a new life there? Because I'll have my computer. That's good. Uh, and again, I will be able to take my money. And I just, I, I've never done it. Uh, I, again, I only did it that one time when I was 23 or 24 and I left my previous life to move here to New England uh, for my probably shouldn't say to start this new identity. Uh, but it's it would be nice to have that extra little set of breaks on that line of thought that says, oh, I would at minimum have to go back home to pick up Kitty. Uh, and and then I'd have to think about, well, how, how hard is, it, is Kitty as adaptable as I am or as eager to start a new Kitty life elsewhere? And then it's, well, I suppose I should probably just finish writing this 650-word synopsis of something that uh, a producer is waiting to get. Maybe that would be easier than throwing another dart at another map and starting another new life someplace else. You know, you'd be surprised at how adaptable some cats are. Uh, I have a friend who just moved to London and brought their cat with them. And they're just they're just getting used to life together in good old London. <laughs> Oh, God. Can't imagine what the what the smells are like to the cat. Just like coming, they they went from New York to London, so I imagine still city life, but smells very differently. For I, I I love animals. I could talk about them all day. They make me really happy. <laughs> but it's true, you do have to leave places early to go home and feed them, and true. like 
make sure Ooh, they're okay. Oh, I didn't okay. even think about that. Excuses for leaving social events. That I do use that. I'm like, I have a very hungry senior cat with special needs at home, <laughs> which I'm really sorry I'm using my cat for that. But sometimes it really works. And the people are like, oh, she's just a crazy cat lady. And I'm like, yeah, I love Ooh. my cats. So what? I would love to stay for another three hours, but I've got to go home and put salve on the cat's boil. Yeah. <laughs> Close. Next but time, yes. definitely. <laughs> uh, so, all right, moving on from cats, though, Andy, I'm going to keep pressuring you about this just because I think I think it's something <laughs> you should think about. Like, not necessarily move forward to do the action, but just kind of think about it in the back of your mind for a little bit because, you know, yeah. being being a pet parent is I'm, – I'm sorry to everyone out there. I know that, like, referring to dogs and cats is – dog – and cat children isn't like the same so thing say as fur like baby because fur yeah. baby is the is the one that makes me go from oh isn't it wonderful this person is so into their pets to um I did just get into plants and I called them my plant babies but I thought that that is okay <laughs> because because it's just a cute terminology for I mean I have all these plants in my house now and they are they're like little babies but anyway. But anyway, speaking of fun. little babies yes. that you've, you've acquired. <laughs> oh, yes. So speaking of little babies, um, and actually this is a great segue. If anybody has been paying attention to the internet this week, the Lenovo smart clock has been reviewed by sites galore, um, including yours truly at, uh, on All About Android, on Twitch All About Android. And um, I have a show called Hands on Tech if you want to go check that out. I got to live with this clock for a little bit. It's right next to my bedside. Actually, I'm really sorry I didn't bring it downstairs, Andy. I just realized I could be showing it to you right now in person, but I liked it too much on my nightstand. So mm. it's it's a tiny little thing. It's four inches. Yeah, I was going to say, is, is it as t tiny in the flesh as it appears to be in the yes. photos? It really does seem like smaller than a cell phone screen. Uh, no, 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 no. It's okay. it's. Four inches, but it's like a giant four. Oh god! <laughs> I don't know okay. how to explain. Uh, yeah, it's a giant uh, four-inch one. I'm actually just trying to pull up my notes real quick here on it, just so we can have a nice discussion. Yeah, so it's a four-inch IPS screen with a 480 by 800 resolution. So um, it's it's short going across, but a little longer um, going vertical. It has one single ambient light sensor, which, in my experience, works just as well as Lenovo smart display that's behind that little curtain over there behind me, but it also functions the same. So you're not getting that extremely dynamic, beautiful, subtle dimming that you would get with the nest home uh. or the nest hub. I have to, I have to remember what they've been renamed to. Like the way that that one kind of changes brightness throughout the day, like to go from day into night. It's such a subtle, beautiful, like I, I really appreciate it. And I wish that Lenovo's products had it. But that said, the thing doesn't keep me up at night. It's not super bright. Um, and during the day, I could see it very well from across the room. So if I'm like getting ready, you know, to rush out the door to go do something, I can quickly glance over and I see the time perfectly, which I'm happy because I need the time when I'm getting ready. There's a USB-A port on the back, which you can use to charge your phone. It's USB 2.0, so it'll it's as fast as 2.0 is. I use it to charge my Galaxy Active Watch just okay. because I don't have extra ports um, in the power strip that's by my bed because, does of course, do, I have a power strip. Does it do fast charging? I don't 
No, I don't think so. I don't think it does. Okay. But it charges fast. It's not like, you like, know. Wouldn't, wouldn't it be killer if it, had, if it had a Qi charger, like a wireless charger on top of it, and you just dump your phone on top of that? It would be, it would probably cost more, although at $80, it still is like quite, quite a hefty chunk of change. Yeah. Um, it also doesn't match the Nest Hub in features. So you know how you can go to the Nest Hub and you can you bring up a Hulu video or a Plex video or a YouTube TV video. Well, I don't even have the option to cast to what is called the bedroom clock upstairs in my room. Um, I was going to actually jump into an app real quick and see if I can cast it. So just I'll do it here. A little live demo. Logging into YouTube TV on my Pixel and going, yeah, the casting only allows casting to the TVs and the smart displays in my house. So there's no casting option to go to the alarm clock. And I think that's just because they want this to be alarm clock. Like this is not your entertainment portal. This is not your distraction portal. This is this is purely for getting up in the morning and getting ready to go which is also why you can program a good morning routine with it, but that's the only routine you can program. So you have to go take care of that in the Google Home app. You would, you know, use the lights that turn on, use the temperature, unmute the stuff, play this podcast, you set that all up. For $80 though, it's yeah. it's a lot of it's a lot of money for an alarm clock. <laughs> I don't yeah, I just I don't really get it. I mean even if even if it were $40, uh, even if it were forty dollars, if it were fifty dollars, I would, or even sixty, I would be a little more like, okay, I could see this because it works as a nice smart home controller. Yeah, but it's here. So here's here's my my chain of thought on it. That yes, um, uh, why would I why would I have this? Why would I want this for my nightstand? Or what kind of features that are kind of like this would I love to have on my nightstand? And obviously, I really would love to have like a microphone. For that's hooked up and and a halfway decent speaker for the Google Assistant, so mm-hmm. that when I'm awake but not even committed to actually open my opening my eyes yet, and I just want to know like what time is it? How badly did I oversleep today? Uh, nothing gets. Oh, by the way, today uh, it gave me a, a, a time of day that was four hours later than I had intended, and that gets you out of bed really quickly. But that but that's the sort. So that's item number one, and that's really well covered by a Google Home Mini, which uh, right now, which also has a decent enough speaker that it's good for. I want just a little bit of ambient music, or I just want to have a little. I don't want to fill this, the the room with noise. I just want to have a little, like little birdie cheeping in my in my ear right on the nightstand. So that's one and two. I would I wouldn't mind having something like the size of the regular home hub so that if occasionally I want to I ask I ask assistant a question and it can give me more information than it's actually saying that also would be nice and but the idea of but all of these all of these things I was thinking of never point to give me a home hub that is too small to give me really good visual feedback and too expensive to make me want to just get it and put it there and hope that I find a use for it. I have my, my current actual like bedside clock is uh, a 
vintage. Um, I, I got on, I, I'll, t- I'll tell you that for some reason a few years ago, I got on this kick of realizing that, God, I'm always like having to like get up and, t- and look around to like find out what time it is if I don't have my watch or I don't have my phone with me. I said, darn it, this will not last. I'm gonna, I'm, for the next month, I'm going to look for cool LED, ideally like vacuum fluorescent clocks mm-hmm, from the 70s mm-hmm. and 80s and make sure I've got plenty. So my bedside clock is not – I when I say fake wood grain – I don't want you to think, oh, well, you've seen that. Like, oh, I'm talking about, no, it's not like a decal. They actually textured the plastic and painted it to make it real 3D wood grain. And it has that kind of like really amazing 1978 red LEDs before they figured out how to make them really cheap to make and really power efficient. So your alarm clock is pure lead. <laughs> yes. Sorry. <laughs> Which might explain my flow of logic sometimes, <laughs> uh, but so but, but what, what, I'm get, for you, what, what I'm what I'm getting at is that like uh, I have I have this when I really just need to like look and see what see what time it is. I have something that's kind of stylish and really fun that mm-hmm, I like. Mm-hmm. If I were buying something new, I could buy something new for about twenty or thirty dollars. It doesn't seem to, the uh, Lenovo doesn't seem to be fulfilling a lot of the things you'd want a smart clock for. And like I said, eighty bucks. I mean, I, I got 80 bucks. I don't want to lie to you. I got 80 bucks. I'm not sure that I have 80 bucks for this. That's all. It's too much money. I'm sorry. Yeah. It, it, just as much as the Pixel Stand was too much money, which, by the way, look for that on eBay soon because I'm trying to get it out <laughs> of my house because I don't use it. Um, and I did put my own money toward it. Mm. But, you know, I have it in for review and I'm going to keep it on my nightstand because it's it's super cool. I have it paired with the Google Home because I have another Google Home in the bedroom. And I also have a Chromecast hooked up to the TV in there. So I have my own little Google ecosystem thing going on. And when you link up all those devices, basically the alarm clock becomes like the controller for your TV and your stereo, which is kind of cool. And so I think the one thing that I'm really enjoying out of all this, out of all these experiments to like diversify the Google Assistant and figure out like, what devices you could put it in and like what people will buy with it. What's happening is I'm just creating, it's kind of like really easy DIY. It's a really easy DIY entertainment (laughs) solution. I guess you could say, I just think about the fact that I have like the home max downstairs. And then I have this little thing upstairs with the paired speaker and just how seamless it is to move from one room to the other with just the phone in my hand, which is always on me anyway. And to kind of like do all that. So for that reason, I really appreciate it. But do I think that this is going to be a huge hit? Probably not. Do I think that it's interesting and I'm definitely going to hold on to it and show people who come over? Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Would you like to see a would you like to see a baby Google? It's <laughs> welcome, a little baby Google. <laughs> welcome to my push button home of the future. Um, I think people are actually starting to be a little weirded out by my house. Um, I've actually told <laughs> That is people, actually my like, design aesthetic. <laughs> well, I've I've told people before they come over, I assure them I'm like, don't worry, I'm muting all the mics. Like Nothing's going to hear you. Uh, you know, it's it's fun. So, I, I, well, I got before we go to uh, our commercial and our commercial very, break and a very, very deep and heavy <laughs> act one item. Uh, uh, As so per I, usual. I, yes. I, I have a great, a great piece of news uh, for Pixel One phone owners mm. uh, and also pretty good news for me, too. It turns out that the Pixel One is definitely 
uh, to some degree waterproof. Like I'm not talking about out in the rain or in your sweaty oh, pocket. Oh, I heard her about this. Yes. Yes. Uh, because um, if let's say it's you know it's the the seasons have turned in your office that doesn't have air conditioning, and amongst your spring slash summer routine is to get this nice little like uh, personal ice chest out of the closet. And when, on a particularly long work day, fill it with ice, fill it with Schweppes, uh, Schweppes lemon lime, uh, seltzer cans, and one bottle of Mex- Mexican Coke so that when you want something ice cold and frosty to keep you entertained and alert and non-thirsty, it's right there. And let's say that uh, you had that out yesterday and you uh, haven't like yet it melted over the other ice melted overnight uh and the la- you when you took the final uh soda out of there you left the lid open and then you were to knock your phone out of off your desk and into this like 1 gallon container of water uh if you uh, you will if you dive your if and it's it was down there long enough for me to register my disbelief that I'd allowed such a thing to happen, such as I'm going to have an open container of deep water near my <laughs> desk where my mobile devices are. If you if you grab it and then shake it out, and actually the the screen the screen was still lit like underwater, and it's working perfectly fine. The speaker is working perfectly fine. To make things make this even more dramatic. Uh, the uh, the in case uh, uh, rubberized case that I have uh, on my phone, mm-hmm. uh, unfortunately, the bottom of it with the USB three jack, uh, the the case is a little bit too small to allow me to plug in a USB drive that I often use. And so at the moment, I was transferring. I just finished transferring some files, and so even that uh, that extra rubber case was off. The, whatever extra protection I might have gotten, and it's still working just fine. It's perfect. There's again, even the speaker works great. It didn't sh- it didn't shut down. It didn't restart. I did give it a, g- a good few shakes, <laughs> too, and I, and I actually did see water just go. Out of the right, various right. jacks, so mm-hmm. I know that it wasn't just oh air air bubble protector. So that's so kudos to uh, the designers of the Pixel One phone for allowing understanding exactly how abusive uh, and careless we can be with our phones and giving us that little extra piece of protection. I will say that uh, as I was shaking it off and nervously looking to see if it was still working. Of course, the, I, my my mind is partitioned into oh god, what a stupid thing! Oh damn it! I hope I didn't break my phone to twenty percent. Now, should I get a Pixel th- one of the ha! new like four hundred dollar Pixels, or should I like put a SIM in one of my old phones? Just because I will definitely, absolutely be buying a Pixel four now in a few months. Uh, and fortunately, I've been I have been denied the need to upgrade my hardware because again, that would have been a stupid. stupid stupid way to yeah so that's uh, I, I i hopefully this will be like uh, when i train my my soon-to-be cat like this is <laughs> this is negative reinforcement it'll be andy the next time like tonight when i still have like two cans of schweppes in there when i finish that perhaps i'll every time i take a can out of there i'll remember to close the lid because uh there there is a couple of rules to living in this reality that I keep reminding myself of one rule number X is that uh, there are no mistakes. There are only lessons. Uh And then the next rule after that is all, all lessons will be repeated until they are learned. Yep. 
So I feel as though the universe said, we're going to teach him to not do that with the cooler by giving him a near miss. And the next time we're going to give him an actual killing his actual phone or something more expensive. And maybe then if we keep repeating the lesson, he will learn it. So are you saying there will be a next time inevitably? Inevitably, because I unfortunately have been the user of this brain and the software that is installed on it for quite some time now. Uh, I'm it's it's like at some point, you know, that I'm just you don't even bother uh, doing a diagnosis. You know that you're going to have to, like, take out the plug, jiggle it a little bit and blow on it and put it back in. That's the only way it's going to work. And I this is uh, this is something that uh, I'm not making this up just to be entertaining. There are times where I do the right thing or double check something because I literally think to myself, Andy, is it is are, are you in fact stupid enough to have made oh, this mistake? No. And it's not, it's not harsh. It's like a, it's more. It's 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 not like me abusing myself with mm. with insults. Like Andy, Hope just uh, can, can you imagine yourself being so dumb as to like knock an expensive device into an open open uh, cooler full of water? Yes. Okay. Then perhaps we should close that because if <laughs> if that exit and uh, again this is a literal chain of thought because Andy, if after we have had this conversation with ourselves. And we don't do it, and then we actually destroy a phone. I am not going to let you forget that. I'm going to be nice about it. I'm not going to be a jerk, but I'm going to remind you of all the times where you thought to yourself, we had this discussion that, gosh, if I leave that lid open, I might destroy this $800 uh, uh, Microsoft Surface tablet by knocking it in there. Perhaps I should therefore so again. But again, good news. If you don't, uh, unless you're a Pixel 1 user who recognizes that, uh, the Android Q will probably not run on your hardware or is not womp promised womp. to run in your hardware. And therefore, if you're looking for a reason to buy a new phone that other people will believe, you could say, oh, gosh, I'm going to have to bend. I, I, if only I can bend over and pick that up in time and take it out of that water before it dies. And I'll say that the, the time will be more than about eight to nine seconds or just advice, word advice. Well, on that note, Andy, shall we make some moolah? Yes, because again, <laughs> because you might need to. Buy your I might phone. need to. Yeah, if 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 not, I'll definitely be needing needing to replace my phone in September mm-hmm. or October. Mm-hmm. This episode of Material is brought to you by Squarespace. Make your next move with Squarespace. Squarespace lets you easily create a website for your next idea with a unique domain, award-winning templates, and more. Maybe you want to create an online store. Maybe you want to create a portfolio. Maybe you want to create a blog. Squarespace is an all-in-one platform that lets you do just that. There's nothing to install, no patches to worry about, no upgrades needed. You don't have to worry about any of that stuff. Squarespace has got it covered. They have award-winning 24-7 customer support if you need any help. They let you quickly and easily grab a unique domain name. And all of those award-winning templates are beautifully designed for you to show off your great ideas. Squarespace plans start at just $12 a month, but you can start a trial with no credit card required by going to squarespace.com material. When you decide to sign up, use the offer code material to get 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain and to show your support for material. Once again, that's squarespace.com slash material and the code material to get 10% off your first purchase. 
We thank Squarespace for their support of this show and all of Relay FM. Squarespace, make your next move, make your next website. Okay, we're gonna go. We're gonna cleansing breath, cleansing breath, cleansing breath. I know this is one of those stories where we're gonna breathe in, breathe in blue, 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 blue. I don't know if I have enough water. Exhale, for this. red, red, All red, right. red. <laughs> so, those of you who listen to us weekly, first of all, thank you. Uh, we really appreciate it. And all. seriously, God bless you all. And or God or you, whatever. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, you know that we're posting a little bit late this week. And part of the reason is because there was a lot of fast acting movement happening this past Wednesday. Usually we record the podcast on Wednesday. It comes out on Thursday. We're actually recording it on Thursday afternoon. When it comes out is really up to God at this point. <laughs> so whenever <laughs> and we you're often, listening we to often it. do say praise Jim and all of his mysterious yes. wonders, miracles to perform. Jim has a wonderful exactly. plan for all of our lives. Yes. Uh, Jim is, is the, uh, is the Peter? <laughs> anyway, sorry. Upon, sorry, Jim. Upon, no, no. Uh, <laughs> Jim is our rock. And upon this rock, I we do build. I meant to say Paul, oh, okay. not Peter. I meant to say Paul, um, the apostle of the churches. Anyway, let us, let us move into this is turned, our this big is story of the week. This very, very, <laughs> we're, like, we're, we're just, again, before we go on, and we will go on, but it's like, <laughs> we've, we've demonstrated that as children, we definitely grew up in a religious household <laughs> in which we do know that, oh, well, again, there's Peter, there's Paul. Peter, I, I, I know shall name the, Peter yeah. upon this rock. I, okay. <clears throat> Uh, sorry to everybody who has no idea what I'm talking about. Uh, don't worry we just, about we're it. We're just delaying but this story because we just don't exactly. want to talk about it. That, that is kind of what's happening to, here. So I am going to explain this to you as best as I possibly can. So there's been some stuff going on with YouTube this week. Now, it's not just one linking thing. It's a couple of like little different things. And so we're going to break down the two major events that happened this week in the order that they happened. Okay. So the first order of business is that this week, Google was pressured into amping up its response against YouTube hate speech. You might be wondering, why is this just happening now? And to that, we say, you know, we're wondering the same thing. Because it was, again, for legal reasons, we're not supposed to name names, but uh, everything was going great. But then there was this guy named Doug who got his, got his YouTube account three days ago, and he starts posting videos with mean things about it. And everybody was pretty upset about it. Let me tell you, I uh, I wrote a, a letter uh, to my local newspaper about it. But what what's the deal with this Sternly Doug boring. fellow? This was per everything was perfect and wonderful. I mean, mm -hmm. uh, Doug, am I right? God dang it! So we're gonna link you to the Washington Post article on this matter, and you can go kind of like really sup up all the inter information in there um, with your favorite kind of bread, but. Here's the TLDR, the too long didn't read. So Vox video producer Carlos Marza, who is gay and Latino, he co-produces Vox's monthly video series called Strike Through. And that series explores the challenges facing the news media in the age of Trump. So kind of, this is going to be kind of American-centric, but stay stay with us here. I say, And I know that you're already sort of tensing up because we've said, here is I know. a we said the T gay word. and non-white co commentator that talks about Trump that he's probably not going to – the world is not going to be kind to him. Yeah, yeah. So um, Marza has been tar targeted for years by right-wing commentator and comedian 
Self-described, shall we say. <laughs> yeah, self-described Stephen Crowder in some of his YouTube videos. Uh, Crowder basically was making fun of his sexual orientation and his ethnicity. And this hasn't just been going on for like days or weeks. This has been going on for years. Mm. So as a consequence of these personal attacks from Crowder, Marza started getting harassed by his fans on Twitter and Instagram. He was also doxxed last year, which by the way, I'm finding that is not a word that really exists in like global vernacular. You have to really explain to people what dox means. So dox is when all of your information gets leaked online and then people come and harass you because of that. Um, it's yeah. scary Post and it happens. His fans were like, here's, here's his phone number. Call him to debate exactly. him about his beliefs about conservatism. Yeah. And they just, and, and so they, what happens with doxing is that it's a, it's a psychological attack. It's intimidation. Basically. It's, power, it's an it's it's intimidating it's... psychological attack, like making you feel like you're being closed in. Um, so the videos that, um, Marza was posting on Vox, they were routinely flooded with abusive and offensive comments because that's, yeah. So Marza and Vox had made repeated attempts to get YouTube to take action, citing violations of YouTube's user policies against bullying, harassment, and hate speech. However, YouTube did nothing, oftentimes and not even replying to the complaints, and the videos also continued to be monetized by the ad platform. So finally... Marza decided to just put all the evidence into one long reel so that we could all see the terribleness in however many minutes this reel was. So poor Marza, first of all, had to re-traumatize himself by watching all of these videos to string together of the mean stuff that this guy was saying about him. I, I'm sorry, it's not even just mean. I, I'm using that vernacular because I'm a millennial and that's yeah. how I speak. It was incredibly offensive. Offensive. Like, this and, is and, offensive and, and, and hateful. And abusive. It's just, it's, and abusive. It's the, sort of, yeah. it's the sort of stuff that uh, the person who says these things and their fans say, hey, we're just, you know, good-natured ribbon. We're just having, I mean, this is a comedy channel. But someone who the first time they have been called names like this, it might, it was probably in junior high when other kids were punching them left and right and calling them this name. And I think that the person who uses this name knows exactly the effect that it's going to have. It's a, it's a way of yeah. controlling and intimidating people. Yeah. So he strung together, Marza strung together this compilation video of the offensive content. It now has over 75,000 likes and 20,000 retweets. So this was on Twitter. And there is a whole thread that we're going to link you to. But um, Andy, do you want to read some of the highlights? Yeah. <laughs> just, I mean, just I, to... I really do. I really cut and pasted a lot of the uh, a lot of the tweets in this uh, tweet uh, thread that he posted. Uh, and his words speak better than anybody else possibly can. So I really do. We will have a link to it uh, in the show mm -hmm. notes. Um, so, but, uh, he said, talking about like what, why he's so angry and frustrated, uh, quote, again, the problem isn't Crowder. There will always be blanking blank holes, trying to get attention. Uh, you know what he said, mm -hmm. uh, trying to get attention by being bigots. The problem is that YouTube is designed to give those blank holes a megaphone, push new followers in their directions and mm -hmm. keep them listening. It's a weapon. I cannot explain how awful it is to see a video where you're called a, quote, lispy queer, unquote, pass a million views, thousands of comments piling on. How the bleep are LGBT people expected to produce interesting content in this environment? And the, probably the most powerful of uh, this is I'm getting again, I'm quoting directly. YouTube does not give a blank about queer creators. YouTube does not give a blank about marginalized creators. YouTube does not give a blank about diversity or inclusion. 
YouTube wants clicks. YouTube wants clicks. YouTube wants clicks. And that really is, uh, again, without internal, I always have to parenthesize that I don't know of these. I do not see into the souls of the conference rooms inside YouTube, but this, when you judge this operation of YouTube by their effectiveness in controlling this speech, there's no evidence that they're showing us as users of this platform that they particularly care. I'm sure that as individuals, they, there are plenty of people who care and are as upset as anybody else except for uh, Mars himself. But as an institution, YouTube is not demonstrating that they care. He, uh, the last thing I kind of pulled out here uh, speaks to uh, uh, what Flo was mentioning. The quote, love to sit at home editing together clips of my abuse in order to publicly beg a platform to pay attention. Love to be an adult gay person and still have my identity marked by public humiliation. So YouTube's immediate response to that video was to promise the, to investigate. The, the, the tweets and the video, the compilation. Excuse me. Of, yes, the right. tweets and the video, the compilation video was uh, that they had promised to investigate. Cool. Then they announced when, uh, Tuesday night that Crowder's videos, this was the big kicker, yeah. didn't violate YouTube policies against harassment and bullying and therefore would remain on the site. Cool. So... Um, the Team YouTube Twitter account posted this reply, just kind of this public-facing, hear ye, hear ye sort of thing, saying, Our team spent the last few days conducting an in-depth review of the videos flagged to us, and while we found language that was clearly hurtful, the videos as posted don't violate our policies. We've included more info below to explain this decision. And here's some of that info. As an open platform, it's crucial for us to allow everyone from creators to journalists to late night TV hosts to express their opinions within the scope of our policies. Opinions can be deeply offensive, but if they don't violate our policies, they'll remain on our site. Th yeah, this is this is a hard thing, by the way. That's um, just as an aside, that's a constant conversation I'm having in my own personal life with people about like, quote unquote, wrong opinions. Yeah. This is, we, we'll, we don't want, we'll I don't want to we'll completely digress, later, but yeah, yeah. Um, <clears throat> YouTube continued in the tweet so thread. I'm finding it so hard to shut up now. But. <laughs> Even if a video remains on our site, it doesn't mean we endorse slash support that viewpoint. There are other aspects of the channel that we're still evaluating. We'll be in touch with any further updates. Okay, whatever. So that didn't go over well at all. Um, and many news outlets requested comment from Google and received the same response. In fact, uh, I will tell you, if you go read the Gizmodo article versus the Verge article, you'll see that it's a lot of the same responses yeah. from the comms team, which is understandable because I'm sure that they were in like red alert mode. Yeah. Um, um, the night before. So the meat of the response is kind of this. In videos flagged to YouTube, Stephen Crowder has not instructed his viewers to harass Marza on YouTube or any other platform. And the main point of these videos was not to harass or threaten, but rather to respond to the opinion. There's certain behavior that is never okay. That includes encouraging viewers to harass others online and offline, or revealing non-public personal information, parentheses doxing. None of Mars's personal information was ever revealed in content uploaded by Crowder and flagged to our teams for review. Okay, so it's this is this is this is just being very clueless on YouTube's part. Because, you know, Marza is liberal, is gay is an on white. He's a commentator known. He knows, um, he knows the effects of his statements. 
But that doesn't mean that he's allowed to be harassed because of that, you know, because of that particular opinion that he's putting forth. So YouTube reversed itself on Wednesday, kind of in the middle of when Andy and I I'm were supposed so, to record. Yeah, I'm, yes. I'm sorry. I have to I have to apologize uh, to you and to listeners. Um, I wasn't familiar with Carlos Maza before this. And in the show docs, in a lot of places, I, I misspell his name as Marza. And I realized that we've been Oh, is it, it Maza? I'm sorry. It is Carlos Maza. I thought I, I, uh, I had a oh little. Oh boy! It's it's been a it's there's no excuse for it's that. My, just, that's that's my fault too because I didn't um I didn't double check. Well, no, you the you, you, you trust you trusted me that I would get it right. Uh, <laughs> my apologies. I do try to do better than this. Uh, as as we said before, this has been fast moving and this doc has been updated several times. So a lot of things are uh, blurred. An but apology again. to Carlos. Maza for calling him Marza. And from here on out, we will refer to him as Maza. And that's who we are referring to. So thank you, Carlos, for being understanding. Um, I hope we're <laughs> doing justice to this story. Yeah. But so, yeah, I mean, that is, see, it's, it's terrible because there is a, there, uh, YouTube is technically correct that they have specific policies against sure, technically, the, the, those yeah. sort of things, and no, on a very robotic, algorithmic way, uh, these videos did not call out uh, Carlos for abuse or for doxing or anything like right. that. But the thing is, this was uh, there is no innocence in here. Uh, Crowder knows that when a individual who is gay who is non-white and who is making has is known to make comments that are critical of uh of radical conservatives and the Trump administration they that that person knows that they don't have to call for action against this person they don't have to put the verbs in that statement all they have to do is say here is here is this person and this and they know that there are if you have a large enough audience uh, even if you have not been con uh, uh, cultivating an audience of wingnuts, you will have a percentage of wingnuts. And the wingnuts within the uh, within the again, I'm saying the radical conservative moment, which is movement, which is not the same as the conserv conservative movement or the Republicans. The wingnuts within that community are known for this kind of abuse. Once again, it is. Uh, it may not even be hate. It is a source of if you think that you don't that we, uh, that uh, people do not have power over you, that I do not have power over you, that I can't control you, that I can't make you scared, that I can't change your behavior, that I can't do things that the next time you want to produce a video or uh, tweet something or Instagram something that is critical of things that I believe in, if you think that I can't make you think twice about doing that. I'm here to correct you of that, and I don't care uh, about uh, – and I'm going to violate policies that I didn't, never cared about to begin with. So the the statement that, hey, it's just just jokes. No, I didn't – hey, I never – of course I'm – it's – that's that doesn't stick. That is not something that if you are a an adult in any way, shape, or form, you don't get to use that excuse. If you're 11 years old and saying I didn't understand what would happen when I yelled fire – Okay, you're 11 years old. If you're an adult, you don't get to say that. You are, you're, yeah, okay. I don't know. I was pretty lucid at 11. Um, <laughs> but I guess girls mature faster than boys or something. I, I, know. I know this to be true because <laughs> I went to school with 11-year-old boys. 
I've, I've been in locker rooms with 11 year old boys. Yeah. Uh, okay. So, so YouTube eventually reversed itself on Wednesday, uh, demonetizing Crowder's channel. Twitter was going to buzz. Uh, the official YouTube Twitter posted, we came to this decision because a pattern of egregious actions has harmed the broader community and is against our YouTube partner program policies. Okay. So Crowder, uh, Cause that, cause that, that's, that's what really offended us that it was against YouTube partner program policies. <laughs> yeah. I'm just, I'm, As I'm making humanist, all of these like asides. <laughs> Sorry. I, I'm making all of these asides because it's just such it's such jargon to yeah. just to take the the liability off of them and just saying like, well, it turns out that as we looked deeper into it, it just didn't really align. Okay, sure. So Crowder responded with a new video of his own, claiming, of course, to be the victim of this whole thing. So via the Washington Post article, <laughs> that's friendly ribbing, he said, of the language he used about Maza. Did I ever offhandedly use the term lispy queer? I really don't remember it, but it sounds like me. Why? Because you speak with a lisp and you refer to yourself as a queer. It's funny, and this is a comedy show. So Crowder said that the criticism of his videos was an example of a powerful media company like Vox trying to silence voices that they don't like, quote unquote. He called the company's decision to demonetize his video streams an adpocalypse, which I know you've heard before, and warned to his viewers that the decision was a war on all independent creators. So, yeah. so to basically let's, let's let's circle back on this. This is Yeah. We we this is, yeah, we will. This is this is life this is like life advice and life wisdom that sometimes uh, something is not an attack on a large group of people. It's a specifically attack on you as a result of your behavior. And it can be uh, you're participating in self-soothing behavior if you're claiming that the reason why this action has been taken against you is because they don't like what you stand for or they don't like the group of people that you hang with, it is not. It is about the things that this person actually did. Well, I mean, he is hanging with some really toxic people who think it's fun to dox people and, um, you know, harass them about their sexuality and... And everything. Oh, okay, so to sum this up, YouTube responded swiftly to the PR problems, uh, to Maza's frustrated tweet, and then the reaction to Google not doing anything about it when they should have been responding to the original problems themselves. And this is not just a problem that's been prevalent recently. This is a problem that's been prevalent for a long time on YouTube. And the thing is, is YouTube has become a very large beast. I mean, think about Gen Z now. A lot of the kids that are growing up these days are seeing YouTube influencer, whatever, YouTube creator, whatever it's called. By the way, those are two different things. Taylor Lorenz wrote a great article about it. But um, kids know this to be a profession that you can pursue in the future. But people don't understand the dangers that come with being, I guess, maybe... I want, and and this isn't this isn't in the notes, Andy. This is me just kind of like riffing off the top of my head. But I wonder if this is just the evolution of how it's just how Hollywood, how ce the celebrity has evolved, right? So from Hollywood, we went to reality TV. From reality TV, we went to I don't know. Let's say people and webcams, and from webcams, we went to YouTube, right? And so I'm wondering if this is just. I wonder if people just justify it to themselves by saying, well, that's just what you get for wanting to have fame. And it's just like, 
Yeah. But that's not fair. Well, also, yeah, there's a big black spider on my wall that just appeared out of nowhere. Symbolically. <sighs> symbolically I know. It's just. <sighs> yeah. See, that's. And as as always, the adage, don't read the comments Comments on this story uh, are also appropriate. But there are they are illustrative. If you look at uh, a lot of the responses on Twitter and elsewhere to uh, the coverage about this, that's what a lot of that was the knee jerk reaction of a lot of people saying that, well, you know, you wanted to be famous, but you don't want you don't want any of the, the pushback you get from your opinions. And to be uh, to be diverse in our coverage about this, uh, some of those people are quoting past tweets that I personally wouldn't have approved of. I wouldn't have doxed him as a result of it, nor would I have tried to intimidate him about it. But again, it's uh, there are some things, some things that I personally don't approve of, which is a diff. That statement is totally different from saying that he should not have done that. That's not what I'm saying. Uh, but uh, it's there. There's these are just excuses and an inability to really appreciate that this is not a black box in which you send random comments and then they're not your problem or your responsibility anymore. This is a dynamic system where every little poke, every little pebble you drop into the water causes ripples that will affect other people. Sometimes you can say that, hey, I had no idea that someone was going to react to it this uh, this way. Just like J.D. Salinger wrote a book called The Catcher in the Rye, and somebody who was not healthy thought that this was a message to him that he should try to shoot uh, the shoot Ronald Reagan. And J.D. Salinger could correctly say, I had no idea that this was going to be the result of this. It was a metaphor about not wanting to leave childhood. Come right. on, people. He throws the children back from the field. Yeah. But, this, but, but just to, it's what's really important to note here is that this wasn't that somebody said something mean no. uh, about Maza last week. And tech support and YouTube creator support was not fast enough in replying. We're talking about years of abuse that if this uh, if Crowder were really innocent, he would have a couple of years ago seen the effects of his, quote, comedy, unquote. And as a human being with empathy should have said, I don't want. You don't do this in my name. You don't do this in anybody's name. This behavior is just plain wrong and either address that by speaking to his audience directly or if he thought this was appropriate to change the way that he takes these statements to make sure that it's not going to have the effect that he doesn't isn't willing to stand behind. Uh, he has been seeing the effect that his behavior has been having for long enough that he has to stand behind it. So then after this, so we're not actually completely done talking about this, but we want to bring up something else that happened, which wasn't apparently a direct result of this, but was certainly presciently timed mm. <laughs> or, or, certainly or, or prescient. maybe moved up a month in the schedule. Perhaps. Maybe. Yeah. yeah. It was sitting in the drafts folder and somebody <laughs> on the comms team was like, come on guys, let's get it out. Uh, running through Grammarly, let's get it out. So this, you know, normally would be a separate topic, but again, it does string together with everything that's been going on this week. So Google claims that Wednesday's broad sweeping escalation of policies against hate content on YouTube was actually a pre-planned update, um, which to a lot of us journalist type and people who just hang out on the internet and consider it drama, we, we didn't see it that way. So from the blog post, today we're taking another step in our hate speech policy by specifically prohibiting videos alleging that a group is superior in order to justify discrimination, segregation, or exclusion based on qualities like age, gender, race, 
caste, religion, sexual orientation, or veteran status. This would include, for example, videos that promote or glorify Nazi ideology, which is inherently discriminatory. Discriminatory. Finally, we will remove content denying that well-documented violent events like the Holocaust or the shooting at Sandy Hook Elementary took place. Dang. So, now under the headline, just so everybody, our ongoing work to tackle hate. Yeah, this was, I mean, this was Wednesday, as everything, like right after, right after I had finished. This is not about B, but just to show you how fast this was moving. Yeah, just after I finished an update to the show notes, but okay, so his channel has been demonetized, right. and we have okay, great. So now we can go. Okay, and now there's a new policy that's just been announced again. Supposedly it was in the works for a while, but I, I'm, I'm sure it wasn't done all at once as a response to what was happening this week. I'm, but I, I'm sure that there was a date that was originally planned for this that was not this week. Mm-hmm. So the changes, some changes took place immediately. Thousands of videos disappeared. Many channels uh, became demonetized. One inevitability was that far-right YouTubers and commentators um, are now decrying this as an attack on free speech in general and an attempt to mute conservatives specifically. And one other... Uh, Inevitability that sort of happened is that there's some collateral damage because with many history channels being demonetized and videos disappearing because of historical footage of Nazi speeches, you're missing some of that content is going bye-bye. Um, Thank because, you, algorithms. Yeah, because that's how algorithms work. That's that's how um, machine learning works. So blog posts had mentioned that this will be an issue and that YouTube will continue to refine the algorithm to prevent this sort of thing from happening. But and Andy, uh, you know, I'm going to actually, why don't you tell us how you feel about it? Because there's a yeah. note in here about how you feel about it. And I want you to, I want it to come from you. Well, it shouldn't have to come yeah. from me. Yeah. Oh, no, no. It's a, again, we, we, we mentioned the show doc and sometimes this is part of the conversation that we have before the show. This is how and we stay so, synced through Skype. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> We're trying to be organized folks here. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, yeah, it's um, as uh, as obviously as uh, offended on so many levels as I am by um, not only the abuses that were happening to Maza, but all the other people who do not have uh, a platform at Vox to get this sort of attention and to get Google to move uh, finally and do something they should be should have been doing before. Um, let's acknowledge. I, I want to acknowledge that. Uh, it's not quite as – it's not a simple, simple thing from uh, Google's perspective. One of the things that I really had to once again research is that um, what does – what responsibilities does – do a platform like uh, YouTube have to remain a uh, non-producer of content to be able to say that we are not – uh, an edit we don't we don't have an editorial board that decides what's get pub what gets published and what doesn't because this is a very important distinction this allows them to have uh the uh, millennium digital millennium copyright act that allowed mm -hmm. the internet to really flourish basically says that okay well a service like youtube is not like a newspaper where they have an editor where they are deciding what to publish so therefore they're not they're just simply acting as a conduit for people to exercise their own chosen speech and as a result they're not as responsible as a newspaper would be for that content and there has been there in legal not in the mainstream but i'm talking about in like nerdy legal blogs there have been discussions about how much control can a service like YouTube exert over the, the the content that they will approve or not approve before 
uh, it starts to be it, it starts to become a vulnerability that someone could uh, a a particularly anti Google or anti free speech. Uh, entity that wanted to really put the hurt on these services could say, hey, look, you're you're deciding that certain speech is okay, but certain speech is not okay. Therefore, you are a publisher, which means that if someone uploads an album that is copyrighted, you personally, YouTube should be sued for allowing that album to be up there for all of 14 seconds before a content match deleted Remember it. when that was like the hard stuff on the internet? <laughs> Yeah, I, hey, I, I remember when people are like, uh, the people are saying, oh, they shouldn't, like, the, these, this new thing called cookies is a bad thing because it's going to mean that the privacy, that the, it will be impossible to be anonymous on the internet, and therefore they should not be allowed to have cookies. Anyway, YouTube is obviously now operating at a scale where human beings cannot make these calls. Uh, now, parenthetically, when uh, they, uh, they, although that's a good excuse on a day-to-day basis, when someone is persistently complaining about personal abuse, and then their company is also on their side trying to get Google to something, at some point, this email should be escalated to a point where a human being looks at this, does what obviously an algorithm can't do, and say, "Okay, this was not, uh, this is this this does not fit the template of a violation, but clearly this violates, and therefore we're going to act on this." Uh, and the thing is. People don't individuals don't have the ability to have that kind of power to influence Google directly. It helps to be have a large audience and helps to have Vox behind your be behind you doing this. It really does point out that again, although scale is a problem, they Google needs and YouTube needs a new system that allows this to be put in front of human beings as quickly as possible. If not, it really does leave them open to questions of how much do they really care about this problem. And again, I've, uh, I hope this isn't terribly naive of me, but I do believe that as human beings, YouTube is desperately angry about this sort of stuff. And they want to – not only do they know that it's a business problem that will take down their platform if it's seen as a place where hate groups – uh, can not only exist, but the algorithms themselves can be used and abused to cause them to find more people and to and to flourish. Uh, I think that they do believe that this is an important thing for them to tackle, but there is a persistent problem where these things are not escalated fast enough. YouTube as an organization does not show that they care enough about this. It shows that the, if they did care, they would say, well, guess what? We're doing 10,000 new hires. And we're going to totally revamp how we deal. We're still going to have to rely on algorithms doing, getting rid of 80 to 90% of the obvious stuff. But we're going to find a way that we have more humans brought in to the complaint pro, uh, process earlier on. They, If they really, really cared, they could do that right now. But right now, they seem to be sending the message that we – uh, it takes a lot. That, that fire has to be big, 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 and very hot for a human being inside YouTube to see that this thing is on fire, and now we need to deal with it. And that f- fire re- is uh, is PR. Um, so hmm. I, let's. I want to. I, I do want to say that as as God that was that was meant to be a defending Google sort of statement. But yeah, I, let's let's acknowledge that this is a bigger problem than algorithms can solve. These videos of every kind, or that posted. YouTube can solve. Yeah, 
it's it's going to be it's it's going to be it's going to continue to be a problem. I think that uh, my complaint is not that this these problems exist, but that YouTube it doesn't seem to be working that hard enough to combat them. They're not they are they will always gonna, they're always going to be losing this battle, but they don't care about losing it as slowly as possible. If that makes any sense. Well, and just to play Google's advocate here, it's pro- it's probably also a combination of, again, the beast is so big, like how do you contain it? Because I think about Facebook in this in this sense. Uh, Facebook had the move fast, break things um, philosophy, and that's exactly what happened. And in the same way, that's the spirit of YouTube, which is like everybody create content and just put it on there. Let's create this big community. And so the community was created. It flourished. It gave way to this whole new generation and this whole new industry that we hadn't really thought about before. And instead of thinking about how to safeguard it and how to create boundaries around it so that it wouldn't become so, so influential, um, it just kind of keeps growing. And because of the current, I mean, I shouldn't even say because of the current political climate, because I think if this happened back in the 70s or 80s or 90s, it maybe would have had the same manifestation or it didn't happened back then because that wasn't the time, but now it's happening. And so these are the things that are happening while it's here. So it doesn't really, what I'm trying to say about that, it doesn't really matter when this stuff was announced. The fact of the matter is that we are in an era now where we know a lot better and we know that there are people out there. We we know that people are marginalized. Like we know about all the evils and perils of the world. I'm sorry if you are sticking your head in the sand, you are being a terrible ostrich. And that's not fair to the rest of us who are suffering and watching people suffer. Maybe I'm going a little bit off the rails on this, but that's just yeah. to say that I I don't know that anything is going to happen because as far as business goes, the way to keep business thriving is to keep videos posting and to keep ad revenue flowing in. And the way to do that is just to ask for forgiveness instead of asking for permission. Yeah. And it's, it's, um, I want to see Google caring about very, very real and legitimate arguments about their behavior that the pers- one of the persistent complaints whether it's true or not about about Google is that they all they care about is engagement all they care about is ads all they care about That's is their business, sales exactly to be fair. and that is that is their business <laughs> but uh, at some like let's say that you've you created this wonderful new uh, kind of uh, disposable pen that is will write on any surface, but is completely erasable, even up to two years. Whatever. Let's just say you have this wonderful formulation that will absolutely change disposable pens forever, and that's the reason why you built it, and you're proud of it, and you market it as such. And then three years later, after tight for some reason a year ago, sales just as good as they were, they are going up tenfold every single month, mm-hmm. and you figure out why. Wow, I guess. I, I guess. Uh, having uh, having Sally Struthers as our new spokesperson must be really taking or you, you, you look into it, realize that, OK, uh, some people have realized that if you break open one of these pens, uh, put the ink into like a bottle cap, add baking soda and then cook it, it turns into this really addictive sort of hallucinogen. This was not your intention. But do you then say that? Yeah, but. 
my God, the, the, look at the numbers. Look how much of this we're selling. We don't, I mean, it, we're not doing anything illegal. We've got coverage here. It's just a pen ink. Uh, I don't, I don't, th- that's the sort of argument that uh, I think that uh, sensible people can make about worrying about that's Google's attitude, that we didn't create these algorithms to be a way that not only can someone with absolutely stupid, caustic and uh, dangerous thoughts about uh, what certain people in this country should be, how they should be treated uh, and how they can, how uh, these voices can now not only find an audience, but that the algorithm will help people who are, have a, a dormant interest in this, find these other people and find this, uh, these communities and these communities will be strengthened, not just simply uh, again, not a lot. Not that. Uh, not just that. A YouTube commentator will continue to have a YouTube presence, but that the algorithms and the YouTube, by its nature, will help this person grow. I don't think that this is what Google wants. The question is that now they're really in resp- have a responsibility to demonstrate that even if this is causing them to become more and more profitable and make more and more money, this is not money that they want. That they are willing to. Uh, they are willing to, for instance. Fire, demonetize a, a YouTube uh, producer who has 10 million uh, followers, who has whose videos get easily two million views each. That that's a, when they decide that I don't care how popular you are, I don't care how many people and what demographic of young people or or people who buy lots of snow tires uh, bring to our platform. We don't want your business. We don't want your audience. I keep thinking about. Like what? What would have? What it have? What would it have taken in the 1970s for NBC to fire Johnny Carson? Because Johnny Carson was—you don't even have to be of that age group. <laughs> he was—he like owned 11:30 onward. He was. Oh, like, I've watched. I've watched Johnny Carson, and there have been a couple times where I've been like, "Ooh, yeah. that joke would have yeah, not worked yeah. in this era." I mean, it yeah. didn't work back then. It's of just course. that back then it was more. It, it was. Uh, normalized. Yes, standards of standards of the day, Mm -hmm. which is like why we why we don't excuse me why I don't think he's a total whole. I just self self censored myself uh, because like okay that was not good. I'm not proud of the fact that he Mm -hmm. made that joke. But there's a difference between make him making that joke in 1977 and uh, Jimmy Kimmel, let's say hypothetically making that joke today. That you don't have the excuse of you anyway. Sorry, that's not a total another topic. But, but I'm saying that, like, what at what point would NBC have said this person? This is the most. If in terms of one person who works for NBC who makes us money, that if he were to go away, we could count the millions of dollars we would not have. What would he he have had to do on air or in his personal life to get fired for NBC to say no? I don't care. It doesn't even matter that he's. It would it be he can he can kill people. But as soon as we find out he was also eating people, well, that's where we draw the line. <laughs> Gosh. And, <laughs> and so that, that's the sort of stuff I think about with YouTube, that at what point are they willing to say that we really don't care that this person has 50 mil- – that we actually had to create a, a YouTube – even the YouTube diamond uh, logo was not – we had to create a brand new logo just for him or just for her – we don't care that this person is at the Met Gala uh, uh, in, uh, on every single uh, magazine cover. and that's all He or she is all everyone talks about. We do not and cannot, if we are willing to 
claim that we have any ethics whatsoever, let this person have a platform on our servers. How big will uh, would this misstep have to be for them to say it doesn't matter? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. We do not want our name associated with this person. We don't want to be aiding and abetting this person's <sighs> message and the effects that they have on people. So they have to start. They have to start really convincing us that they care. Facebook for me is already a lost cause. I'm very sure they don't care, uh, and that's because it's still controlled by one person who has very peculiar thoughts about what uh, Facebook's responsibility is. He, and this person, uh, you might know him as Zuckerberg. I know his, him as Lyle. Uh, I've never met him, but I just think of him as a Lyle. He seems like more of a Lyle. No, no offense to Lyles out there, but I'm convinced that he doesn't care. I'm convinced that Google does care, but it is uh, it has the, the heart of clockwork and CPUs and silicon. And it takes a while for the human programming of Google to assert control from the robots and do the things, be aware of things that humans and only humans can be aware of. I have more to say, but we have actually another ad that we got to get into. Um, And also maybe we should, you are already running kind of long and maybe we'd like to leave you on, on more of a positive note somehow. Something fun. So, so we can do that. But before we go into our last commercial break of the show, I just want to leave somebody, leave somebody. I just want to leave you all with a little bit of a thought bean. June, June is pride month uh, in the United States. At least I don't know around the rest of the world. And this is a time when a lot of corporations don the rainbow flags and uh, don the LGBTQ solidarity. I just want you to think about that um, as the pride parades take off this month and think about some of the companies that are just think about some of the companies whose names you see come up in these parades and what they're really doing for Rain- LGBTQ. Rainbow stickers are cheap. Making exactly. decisions of conscience that tell you that you defend not only your own workers who are LGBTQ, but all work, all, all everyone everywhere. That can be very, very expensive. We the stickers are nice. Uh, we like them for the. I still uh, the Android uh, rainbow sticker that uh, Yasmin gave me a while ago. Still haven't used it because it's too good to. The one with the two droids it. holding hands. I thought that was and that rainbow one is my favorite. Nice. Uh, yes, again, lovely. <laughs> I like it a lot. Thank you very much. But I would much rather know that, again, you are not only doing the right thing, but you are very interested in making sure everybody is comfortable with the their conclusion that you are doing the right thing, if that's what you're doing. Remember, everybody, actions speak louder than words. And now on to our commercial break. This episode of Material is brought to you by ExpressVPN. Sometimes cybercrime seems like something from the movies. And it's hard to imagine someone trying to get hold of your information. But stealing data using public Wi-Fi is an easy way for bad guys to make money. And it does happen to normal people like me and you. If you leave your internet connection unencrypted, your passwords and credit card numbers could be vulnerable. But there is something you can do to protect yourself from cyber criminals. Start using ExpressVPN. Not tomorrow or sometime next week. Today. ExpressVPN works by securing and anonymizing your internet browsing. It encrypts your data and hides your public IP address with easy-to-use apps that run seamlessly in the background of your device. You can turn ExpressVPN protection on with just one click. Then you're free to safely surf on public Wi-Fi without being snooped on or having your personal data stolen. 
ExpressVPN is rated the number one VPN service by TechRadar. It even comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee. Okay, so it's Andy, and I'm running. I'm reading the Express uh, VPN ad, and just like I always do, this is this is the space we're we're supposed to talk about personal experiences. Uh, and so, as the first time I read this ad, I I made a big point about how well you know uh, I want to make sure I, I I have to I don't want to take a a free coupon to use this. I'm going to have to uh, I, I pay I I paid for an Express VPN subscription, uh, full price, not even like a yearly discount or anything like that. Uh, and and I, I, as it turned out, I needed a VPN because uh, VPNs for me were some things that uh, I always use when I'm traveling but sometimes don't use when I'm just like at a Starbucks and I'm kind of in a rush. And so uh, the service I was with had an annual subscription that uh, I usually <laughs> just, I don't I don't uh, I don't renew it until I realize I need it again and then my VPN wasn't working so I would then right anyway, so I decided to say I, I was in one of those VPN fallow periods again so I decided okay if I gotta try this I want to try this out if I'm gonna put in a personal experience so I'll, I'll pay the uh, I'll pay the money for, for the again to make sure I'm not getting any discounts or any favoritism and it's been several months now and uh, ExpressVPN has not been like our monthly, our, our weekly advertiser. So I'm pretty much free now that I have personal experience to stop using it if I want to. And I don't want to. It's really, really quite good. Um, as, uh, as you uh, heard me refer to in the podcast this week, uh, my internet is down in, in the office. I'm going to have to have Verizon come up, come to the office and fix it. And before they, they can do that, I have to clean my office. So I've been spending a week, <laughs> a little bit more than that, using public Wi-Fi. And that's where I'm have absolutely no worries because I've got ExpressVPN. It works. It just plain works on my on my Linux laptop, on my Mac, uh, my MacBook, on my uh, Chromebook, on my phone, everything. It, it just works. And it works the way that I would like these services to work. One of the complaints I had about the previous VPN that I was using is that sometimes for whatever reason, uh, I, it would disconnect. Maybe it's because of the internet connection. Maybe it wasn't because of the VPN. But the thing is, uh, the, uh, the my Mac would then reconnect to Wi-Fi as soon as it could, but now <laughs> the VPN uh, software was waiting for me to like click another button to to start a new VPN session, and then I don't know that I've been using open public Wi-Fi unencrypted for the past 45 minutes until I happen to get bored enough with what I'm uh, trying to write that I look in the menu bars and holy. Go. So uh, it's little features like that. You, uh, by default, it has this feature turned on where uh, if it loses the, if it drops the connection, it will cut off. It will cut your internet and tell you, "Hey, uh, VPN has stopped." And for that reason, I'm not gonna. I'm gonna let you know that VPN has dropped. I'm not gonna automatically let to this machine reconnect to the internet unless it's the it's through a VPN. Really simple to use. When you just want it to work, it will just work. When you want to be a little bit crafty and say, "Hey, just for fun, what if I were to." Use a video service that needs me to be in London. Can I pretend I'm in London? That works too. So uh, I'm I'm really happy with it. I'd be happier with it if I were getting the discounts that you are <laughs> entitled to. That I have for some reason decided that I can't use because I'm a journalist. Uh, but and again, this this is a uh, I I I have to make a point of saying that this is my editorial voice when I'm using the radio announcer voice. That's my reading head copy voice. But when I'm giving you a personal experience, I can't do that unless I'm being uh, very very honest and direct. And if I were not having a good time with ExpressVPN, I would probably have a discussion <laughs> with the higher ups, uh, and we would not be using uh, we would not be having them as a sponsor. But yeah, it's, it's working great for me, and I'm very very pleased with this. We now return you to the pre-prepared ad copy. 
For less than $7 a month, you can get the same ExpressVPN protection that I have. If you ever use public Wi-Fi and want to keep the bad guys away from your data, you need ExpressVPN. So go to expressvpn.com material to learn more. Protect your online activity today and find out how you can get three months free at expressvpn.com material. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N dot com slash material for three months free with a one-year package. Our thanks to ExpressVPN for their support of material and all of Relay FM. Woof. That's like a new thing I say now when I'm like, <laughs> wow, that's a lot. Like, who I've, I've, I've already decided. See, we're, I'm doing this from a library again, and I've, I've already decided that as I'm packing up, I'm going to order a small pizza from the pizza place that's kind of on the Ooh. way on the walk back. And I, just, I decided that I'm just going to have a, pe- a small pizza just to have a sensory input that is, again, look, there's sausage, there's green pepper. <laughs> there is Andy, there is I already bread. had grilled cheese today. I can't have pizza. Why are you doing this to me? <laughs> ah, carbs are so, they're just, they really take care of you. They're like a hug when you need one. Um, speaking of a hug, so folks, I've gotten back into gaming, which has been really great. I'm playing vintage games. I'm playing new games. Like I've always been a gamer always since I was a little girl and, um, but kind of stopped because it gets really expensive and, um, you know, but now I'm making good money. So I'm thinking, all right, I'll buy myself a gaming laptop after I'm done testing all of these. But in the interim, I mean, Google is trying really hard to get into this gaming game uh, as well uh, to kind of really show its force as not only are we cloud computer company and not only can we index the internet, but we can also index video games. Why the heck not? We want to get our hands into that till as well. Yeah. Sticky fingers into that cash drawer. So admittedly, I didn't. uh, Today, there was actually a Google Stadia event today being Thursday when we're doing this podcast, not Wednesday. And a couple of uh, people just just as I was about to like slack flow and say, "Okay, the the new revised updated show doc is finally. What's this? Right. Uh, They're doing a live. Yeah, we're like, all right, I guess we'll do the podcast (laughs) later, Um, which was fine because Andy and I are having one of those weeks. Yeah. But and we just love to tell you all about it because this is, you know. Why not? So um, Stadia was originally announced in March. Uh, we had talked about it many podcasts ago. Very thin details then, though. And if I do recall, Andy, you managed to get it on the demo with a Bluetooth controller that you had laying around in your home and and test out Assassin's Creed through the browser. Yep, that was before is, they before they announced it as Stadia. It was clearly exactly. there. It was uh, it was they couldn't say, "Hey, we're going to be doing a streaming game service," but we needed to do a wide test first. But it was exactly. very clear that's what it was, and it worked absolutely wonderful, no matter yeah. even on like slower connections. So the point of Stadia is there's these are games hosted on Google servers and they're played via controller on mobile devices, laptops, or TVs that are equipped with Chromecast. And so when you think about it, it's like, wow, that's not too bad. I have um, I have many of those things. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And just we're I'm gonna jump ahead really quick and just say the controller that was announced with Google Stadia costs seventy dollars. So those who are thinking like, wow, oh, that's a lot cheaper. Well, you're still gonna pay around a hundred something dollars. If you don't already have a Chromecast, you know, if you and um, 
and you are going to have to pay for this monthly, $10 a month. And just to, and, and just to be really clear, let's run, remind ourselves of something that's really cool about this. When it, Even if you're saying $70, but I bought like a, my USB controller for like $18 or $15, it's not, it's not like a USB or Bluetooth yeah. thing. What it is is when you are click, sending clicks, you are, it, has a wifi, it has Wi-Fi built in. It is sending your clicks directly to Google's servers yeah, and for, to, reduce, to reduce latency. So that's the reason why it might seem a little bit pricey. But it's, it's not one of those cool stuff. cheapo, like $20 retro controllers, of which I have a lot, by the way, like N64, SNES. I have a bunch of those. Yep. Um, and they're, they always have a little latency, a little delay. You're like, I definitely paid only <laughs> $20 for this. That's why these things cost the money that they do. So um, this is launching in November. So if you're interested, this is uh, also around the time that the new Pokemon is coming out for Nintendo Switch. <laughs> There's a lot of stuff. Um, November is the time that a lot of games come out because it's right before the holidays when we all want to ignore our families. So we bring our game <laughs> consoles with us, which I love because I'm just looking forward to all the things that I can just ignore my family with. Sorry. So <laughs> the base subscription, as we said, to Stadia will be $10 a month, um, though the games can be uh, purchased outright if you decide it, either an also or an only. So whatever you want to so, do. Some titles are going to be, you have to, it's exactly. still going to cost you 70 bucks. But uh, Stadia, you will get subscriptions to yeah. a, a library of control stuff. <sighs> that is the hard thing about being an adult is like now I can afford my own video games, but holy crap, that's right. They cost a lot of money. Yeah. <laughs> oh boy. Now, now, now you're also paying for like, you You also have enough bills. You're like, oh, God, am I really going to spend like half of my entire cable cable bill just for this one game that'll be done with in two weeks? Yeah. Mm -hmm. It really is half a cable bill because, oh my God, my cable bill. So the games that are <laughs> Coming out uh, include Assassin's Creed Odyssey, which is what Andy got to sample, Doom, the newest Tomb Raiders, once, one of which I'm going to be playing um, this summer, Final Fantasy, and NBA 2K. So the way this works is going to be one user per Stadia account. It's going to be tied to your Google account. You can do split screen gameplay through a guest account when they're over at your house or whatever. Family sharing is coming later, but it won't be available at launch. So that's kind of a bummer because this is again a november product which makes me think what a great time to get yeah. the family gathered around the new game console but sorry family it's only one or two players at a time Ooh, or, or or if you if you do believe that uh google erased the don't be evil thing uh, for 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 purpose you could say november what better way to get all of the family members to each purchase their own subscription <laughs> or oh, oh, i'm sorry mother father would you like to tell your children that they must each take turns? <laughs> Let's see how well that works. Oh, my gosh. And I come from that era of taking turns. It's not fun, let me tell you. Um, <laughs> so much yelling. Mobile devices uh, that are supported by Stadia will be limited to the Pixel 3 and 3A devices at launch, which I just want to throw a hands up for the Pixel 3A that it's getting included in this because that is a mid-ranger that we're including here. So that $300 phone can can get you to Stadia, which is pretty cool. Mm. And, you, and, and you could also use that oh, if if uh, dropping your Pixel 2 like in a bucket of water won't suffice, you could say, oh, damn, you know what? It's a perfectly good phone. I really should just keep it for another couple of years. But darn the luck, I can't use it with Stadia. Right. And really right. it's important for my productivity. So I need to buy a Pixel 4. Right. Exactly. Uh, you can create an account and make purchases on any Android M and up device or iOS 11 and up device. 
Now, this is the part where I get a little concerned. So, <laughs> because as I found out, because I somehow became a Twitch streamer in the last couple of weeks, <laughs> my internet is heavily throttled here in the suburbs, which is a real bummer because I have to stream at a very low resolution. <laughs> so it requires a 10 uh, megabit per second minimum connection speed, which will deliver a 720p slash 60 frames per second slash stereo stream. Uh, 20 megabits per second, this is MBPS for those wondering what I'm reading out, will get you 1080p HDR video and 5.1 surround sound, while 30 to 35 wow, do you live in Finland or something, gets you 4K. So I will be, I usually stream, by the way, for those wondering, at 720, 30 frames per second. <laughs> at like the lowest hertz for, that, for audio. For that old-timey 20, 2008 sort of uh, vintage look. I just, I'm not even like, it's it's really frustrating. But anyway, and this has nothing to do, like Flo is paying the bills here. It's just that I'm being throttled very heavily because that's just what happens. So you can sign up right now, right after you're done listening to this podcast for Stadia's Founder Edition, which is $130 (laughs) and includes the Chromecast Ultra, which will get you that 4K streaming to your TV. That alone is 60 bucks, by the way. Stadia Controller, that that alone is uh, 70 70 bucks. bucks. A three-month subscription, which that's 30 bucks, and a three-month buddy pass, and Destiny 2 with the Shadowkeep expansion that's yours to own. That's a pretty good deal, actually, for 130. I don't think that's that bad. Um, I really really went through that thought this afternoon before I realized that... uh, It's cheaper than a Switch. I mean, a Switch is $400. If I knew I was excited about this, I'd definitely be jumping on this uh, if only because the other side benefit is that you can sign up right now, and so you can probably get Doctor Death Digger <laughs> as your gamer name before anybody else gets it. Um, I decided not to because 130 bucks is 130 bucks, and I realized that I don't even know if I'm going to. Uh, you I might need a new phone soon. <laughs> yeah, it's like I, I can I can I can find 70 bucks for the controller just to see and just to see if I like it and if I use it. I'm not sure I want to spend 160 bucks <laughs> right now. Well, or 130 just, you know, right now. It's another honeypot for Google to put its hands in. And I am very curious if this is going to end up like, so my husband and I have been cleaning out the house in stages. Just we've lived here for eight years. It's just, it's, he's lived here longer. It's, you know, you need to clean out the corners. You've run out of places to hide things. (laughs) That's also when I realized I was like, there's things bursting out of the closets. Like this is not okay. (laughs) Well, we ended up finding some old consoles, including now, just FYI, we've kept all the old consoles because you don't get rid of those, okay? Those stay around forever. We've got the Dreamcast, then 64, the Nintendo. We've got it all. But we've also got a couple of products, one of which is called the Ouya, if anybody remembers oh, the yeah. Ouya. Yeah. Ouya! That's what it, the name was supposed to mean. You know, like like the uh, Kool-Aid man, you know, running into a wall. Like, oh, yeah. Like, no. Unfortunately, nobody really bought that except for the people who kickstarted it. So I'm thinking of this open source game platform. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yes. It's uh, anyway, I had, I had some fun with the Ouya, but then I quickly lost interest after I built my own Raspberry Pi. (laughs) Um, 
and now I have an Android TV and a Nintendo Switch that does all of that for me. So I don't know where Stadia would fit into my life. I did not try this out at Google I.O., sadly. The demo was right there in the press area for me to sit down and try it. They had a full living room outfitted with a big TV and Stadia was ready to play. And the first day there was a long line for it. So I was like, eh, I'll come back to it later. But then, you know, the week got busy and I got nervous about the whole Hiroshi thing and kind of escaped my mind. So I didn't get to actually try it, but I don't know. I, I, I don't know because I'm still not convinced of Google as a gaming platform. The same reason that I'm not like wildly playing games on Android TV or wildly playing more than push button games on my smartphone. You know what I mean? And I'm already one of those people who has like all the things that plays all the things. So I don't know that this would fit in my life, but I could see this fitting in maybe maybe somebody who doesn't want to spend three to four hundred dollars on Nintendo Switch or a new console. Or maybe somebody who wants to game without having to read a bunch of help articles online because doing anything with Android TV is like being a hacker. <laughs> it's just, it's not, it was not made to be fussed with. Like it was made to just point the remote at and like pick your content. Yeah. So, I, you know, I like, I like living in the Google ecosystem. I just don't know if Stadia is going to be a part of that. I don't know. Yeah. It's, it's super interesting. It's possible that I'm the sort of gamer that this is intended for that. I just don't, mm. I just don't game enough to justify a 200 or $300 console. Uh, and yeah. I, and part of the, and I'll, every time I'm kind of tempted by saying, Oh, well I can also use it just like as a streaming box. And so it's not on that basis. It's just a hundred. Uh, and I keep thinking that, yeah, but uh, do you agree? Are you really going to be okay with spending $50 for like 60, $70 for game titles? Uh, and it's like, I, I see, and I, I kind of dabble with steam and that works kind of okay for me, I, but it would be, it would be interesting to, I'm going to buy the controller because I'm definitely going to sign up because it'll be interesting to see for a couple of months, what, if I get to keep testing and browsing games until I find one that I like enough to keep playing after the first 15 minutes that so it might be for people like me that are just thrown off by all the choice and all the money that it costs. And if, if, and if there are people who are saying, Oh good guy, I can't be competitive at only 60 frames per second, man. And also it doesn't use my blah, 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 blah. Like, okay. It's possible. This you, you that have $10,000 worth of graphics cards inside your desktop, it's possible. This is not the choice for you. That's fine. Don't talk to me about your 128 Hertz refresh rate, like, or whatever it is. Like, I don't know. Just stop that, you. Okay. <laughs> you don't need to, this. Google Stadia is not for you with your high refresh rate monitor, okay? It's for us normals. <laughs> <laughs> You, okay, you you got to be operating at a certain level if you're like a super gamer. You know, like, Ms. Pac-Man was gamer. a little too heavy for me. The idea that, you know, why, why did we have to put like a bow on the Pac-Man? That's that's too much. That's that's detail overload. It just mm -hmm. yeah. gets me nervous. Right. So I don't know. It, why don't you, dear listener, send us a comment on Twitter or you can even email us. Tell us, would you be interested in Stadia? Like, why would you be interested in it? What excites you about it? Like, we really want to hear because me, Gamerflow, I'm like, meh, I already got all my toys. Andy's like, meh, it was cool for a while, but it's 130 bucks. But if you feel differently, we'd love to hear from you. Yes.
And I don't want to I don't want to indicate to people that I am that responsible with my money. I just choose what I'm able <laughs> I have been so irresponsible with I I've, I'm gonna tell you that like You're gonna uh, go spend at the MIT flea market. I know oh, what you're absolutely. gonna go do. No, yes, I'm, come uh, on. Well, I actually buy productive things at the MIT flea market. I, I wanted to I wanted to point out that over Memorial Day, you know, the Think Geek store. So they mm-hmm. had a they already have like a clearance department that has like stuff that they're trying to get rid of that's on yeah. discount. And for that day only, they found that we really need these racks of storage back. We can't. And so they did 75 percent off everything that was already like in clearance. And so my my orders arrived today. So, yes, I did spend probably a total of 30, 40 dollars on two different uh, Star Wars shirts and a green blazer slash sports coat that is like decorated like Boba Fett. And that was a total wow. waste of money. <laughs> and so I'm saying, so I'm saying that I, ch- I tend to pick the things to waste my money on. Is where it I a waste save- of money though? I've, I don't know. You know, I've, I've decided that if I, if I go, I'll, the other thing I'm going to be wasting, but not, okay, that's not a waste of money, but uh, tickets to. If it brings uh, you joy, it's not a waste of money in my, yeah, ex- exactly. in my opinion. No, that's, that's, that's exactly true. The, Which the is idea why I still is, shop at Hot Topic. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, if I, if I go, I will probably be going to uh, an opera or two at the Met uh, next season. And as I often do. And so I feel as though I'm going to have to wear the Boba Fett jacket. If I can find a pair of Star Wars pants, I'm going to have to go for the entire pants, shirt, and jacket ensemble. If I if I do find the pants, I'm definitely going to go to opening night because there's a gala opening night. And I've always felt that I I can't I don't have enough sharp clothes to go to the Met uh, Metropolitan Opera Gala opening night. But if I have the pants, the shirt, and the and the Boba Fett jacket, I feel as though I will be Mister First Nighter. I will be. Well, here I was thinking you were gearing up for the new Star Wars Land or whatever it's called in Disneyland. No, Star no, no. I'll, I'll, I, I feel as though either go cosplay or go home. I want, I want to pretend that I am one of Han Solo's friends who's heard that he's been in prison somewhere, but I know how to hotwire the Millennium Falcon, mm. and I'm going to get it out mm. of impound and go out and rescue mm. my friend Han. I'm more of a Luke path person. I'm definitely like really in my head. So I'm definitely always, always at odds with the force. <laughs> always. My, in fact, oh, if you wrote a story about me in Star Wars, it would be really intense because the force and I, we'd be really like, you think you think Ray's journey is intense. Oh, no. You just wait for Flo's journey. Um, and by the way, I've been writing Star Wars Sailor Moon fan fiction since I was 10 years old. So this is not a new concept. Thank you very much. Uh, is, is, I feel like that's a good way for us to end. Otherwise, I'll start talking about my Babylon 5 fan fiction, and that's, uh, that's see, a whole other See, my husband hour. is trying to get me to watch Babylon 5 before we watch Deep Space Nine because he like wants me to know what it could have been because like something with the writers and drama that was going on at that time. Also, also uh, Babylon 5 series creator and series writer J. Michael Straczynski has a yes. memoir coming out uh, next month, which he oh. sent me a copy of two months ago, I've read. Oh, and he does t- tell this whole story with perspective and additional information. That yes, of course, they of course Paramount totally stole Babylon Five, the idea of uh, Deep mm-hmm. Space Nine from Babylon Five because he pitched uh, Star Trek about this as a new way to launch a new series, and they had the series. It was anyway definitive. So it was definitely a really bad retread. Of it, it was like you take the Babylon Five concept and then you say, "Yeah, but we're very, very lame, and we're very, very <laughs> fearful of change and challenging our, our 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 viewers." 
how can we basically turn this into instead of like high grade tequila, something that kind of is off colored, uh, maybe bubbles that sort of tickle your nose if you drink it too fast, maybe something like that. I'm sorry. I'm sure I'm showing my colors there and we really do need to wrap up because I'm going to have to ask you about that book because uh, I think my husband will, would love to read that. Yes, it's wonderful. Um, thank you, everybody, for tuning in this week. I know that this was kind of a longer than usual show, but, you know, we had a lot to say and a lot of stuff happened this week. And so if you have any opinions that are nice opinion, nicely written opinions, please. Um, because you can, be, you can do... be angry, you can be angry with us. That's fine. Yeah, Just write, you're write them nicely and don't make fun of my sideburns. Yeah, I, listen, this, we this, try not to personal. curse. So, like, you try not to curse, okay? Yes. Like, just please. And um, I guess until next week, everybody, have a great rest of the week. Um, practice some self care this weekend. And um, Andy and I will see you next week. 